Welcome to the Emergence Discipleship Podcast, created to equip ourselves with insight, background, and context into the themes and topics we study each week, first as we gather together to worship Jesus, and then as we go and make disciples. Let's dive into this week's discussion. All right, welcome back, everybody. We are in our first week of our 2022, I forgot what year it was, um, uh, fall session. And so this is Gospel Mission Part 1. Uh, I am joined today by none other than... Jordan Marotti. What's going on, you guys? How good to officially make it back to the podcast. And it is good to have you back. Uh, we um, had initially planned to do it the other way around. Kristen was going to do the first week, but <laughs> she opened up her... Uh, she opened up her, well, I saw her pulling into the parking lot today. I'm like, oh, there's Kristen. See how she's doing. She gets out of the van and she's like, oh, how's it going? Laryngitis. So uh, rather than Jordan being the second week, Jordan is now the first week. Yeah, I just figured Kristen did not have to struggle through trying to talk on the podcast. This yeah, week. <laughs> I mean, it did cross my mind to just go with it anyway. And uh, yeah, try to, but no, I thought that that would be not very nice. Um all right, so <laughs> welcome back, everybody. Big day out was awesome yesterday. So uh, as Jordan could tell us all about it. <laughs> yeah, I had, I had a fantastic time watching the video. I was really, really bummed to not be able to uh, be there for it, but I got so much uh, fantastic feedback from friends and family, and I saw my, my social media feed was flooded with it. I'm sure yours might have been too, people posting things they were excited about, um, photos of baptisms and just large groups of people hearing the gospel. It's really just it's a really cool feeling to be a part of this community right now with a day like that. Yeah. The, the, that, that's what I heard too. The social media was just, it was awesome as it was happening and everything. So thanks to everybody who, who served. Uh, I know I tapped a lot of community group leaders to, to help with stuff. So thank you all, um, for that. All right. So let's get started off with what everybody really comes here for. And that is the seltzer of the week to uh, now today we have, um, an offering that was given to us by some community group leaders, uh, Tim and Rebecca Thorpe. So shout out to you guys who lead the Thorpe Teshon group. Serious shout out because they managed to pick up one of my all-time personal favorite seltzers without knowing that. So way to go, you guys. That was awesome. Yes. I, I was very excited to hear that. One of Jordan's all-time favorites. So this is the AHA brand lime watermelon. Now, AHA is often caffeinated. This one is not. Yo, but we will I, give it a pass for that. I wish you could smell this one, too, because when you open it, yeah, it's, it's just serious watermelon. It's amazing. It's like summer in a can. I'm holding mine about a half a foot away from my face, and I could, oh, I could smell it. Usually you can't smell a seltzer like that from mm-hmm. a seltzer from a distance like that. All right. Cheers. Wow. Man. You know what that tastes like to me? Uh, the lime is nice in there. Yeah. You don't miss the lime. It's not hiding. You would think it would get eclipsed by the watermelon. No. Because the watermelon kind of reminds me of uh, of old school bonkers candy. That might be before your time, that Jordan. That is well before my time. Yeah. I promise if you, you remember bonkers, uh, it kind of reminds me of the water or like a watermelon bubble gum. Yeah. I feel like what, this is less fake tasting than that. I'm that's sure it thing. is fake. Yeah. The, the it... watermelon often <laughs> to me comes off tasting fake. You know, this but, to me with the the amount of lime, it's like this is what Sprite is supposed to taste like. That's you know? true. This is really good. It almost tastes like two different flavored seltzers in my mouth mm-hmm. that I pick up <laughs> that I have a lime seltzer, like a weak lime seltzer in my mouth yeah. and then also a watermelon seltzer. Yeah, But that's what makes the watermelon not taste so fake. It's like subtle. Yeah. You know, mm. it's legit. It's very good. So, well, on a scale of one to five bubbles, where do you rate the aha Lime watermelon. Jordan. I don't remember. Do we give half bubbles? Is that a thing? Do we fight for the half? I'll bubbles? let you. I'll give you the half. The right to the half bubble. I I am very reluctant when I scale all things. I'm reluctant to give them the top because mm. you know something could be You're better. So biased. But I would give this four and a half bubbles. Oh my goodness! I love this. Seltzer. Holy cow! Yeah, I give it four. And what just bumped it up to me because I was going to use a half and say three and a half, is that the the after taste like you know when you close your mouth and you breathe and you can taste it and there is a different aftertaste there than there is on the sip which i like and it's a strong lime mm-hmm. like 
closed mouth. I don't know what it's called, closed mouth breathing aftertaste. That's that's what I would say. So yes, both of the us. The aromatics have a different lime than oh the gosh. flavors themselves. Yeah. Jordan worked in a really good coffee shop for a while, so he's very good about t- talking about flavors of beverages. I'm very good at sounding like I know what I'm talking about. That's yeah. <laughs> Paper plain coffee shop. Shout yeah, out. Sh- shout out to my Montclair. my Montclair coffee roastery. Yeah. Love the, you guys. This is a no joke coffee roaster. Like anywhere around here. It's yeah. an excellent place to go. Yeah. yeah. It's legit, you guys. Yeah. Um, all right. <clears throat> all right. Now getting into our um discussion guide here. Man, I missed you guys. So it's good to be back after the summer. I love summer, but uh and I love not having to do <laughs> I love not having to do as much work. But uh uh it is good to be back with you guys. So looking forward to this season. So uh, all right, We're, we are in Acts chapter 9. This is the sermon, of course, that Ryan preached yesterday, and this is beginning the life of Paul. And we've obviously been looking at a bunch of stuff in uh, Paul in Acts, but um, Ryan's gone back to kind of like uh, present uh, this narrative that, um, you know, works well with the themes that he wants to touch on. So now we're kind of doing like, um, uh, you know, we won't be re-preaching the messages that we've already had on Paul, but... Um, we're going back through pretty much chronologically through Acts now. And uh, my way of summarizing the main idea of this message was that God does extraordinary things to turn us from our sin to faith in Jesus. So that's uh, what we're going to be talking about today. Uh, I want to highlight some of the um, the announcements just to kick off. Um, we have, um, at the beginning of the Community Extras video, I should note, they've started to incorporate some announcements in there. So if you're watching those, then just beware not to, like, you know, announce something twice. Although if you do, I'm sure nobody's going to be like, I'm done with this community group. How could you? Oh my gosh. I feel way too informed. This is <laughs> too much information. I'm, so, um, yeah. So give a thanks to anybody who helped with big day out. Uh, make sure people know about the kickoff for 45th street in Totowa. Uh, so, um, that's going to be, um, a fourth and fifth grade ministry. We've been hearing about that for a while and that's at all services. So that should be great. Um, also, um, available uh, the availability to, to partner with uh, the Patterson School Number Two. That opportunity is still there for anybody who wants to, and you sign up for that, like you sign up for everything else on the digital bulletin. And then also, <clears throat> well, I guess here's something you don't sign up for on the digital bulletin. This is the opportunity to serve for your group to serve at Servant Servant's Heart. Uh, a number of you have already done this. Um, and I, uh, and you know, any group who's looking for an opportunity to kind of get their, uh, hands dirty, tangibly blessing, um, a, a phenomenal ministry in this area. This is now headed up, uh, well not headed up, but, um, heavily led by Nate Dorka, uh, our former emergence pastor. So shout out Nate and yeah, so that's available. Um, the details are here, how many people you would be serving, uh, or getting food for. Um, and then where to sign up, as always, on the Servant's Heart website at the link I provide. Okay, so let's uh, dive in now to our um, to, into our study guide. Um, I'm going to go ahead and just read the beginning. Actually, would you like to read, Jordan? Sure. I feel like I've been chatting a lot. I can do that. I'm I can a read. chatty Kathy. I today. can read. I've, I've been told I have a reader's voice. Oh, yes. I've been heard I can silence my Mac by I've, pressing one button. I've been heard. Yes. All right. <laughs> Here we go. I've heard tell. I'm kicking off. So over the past few weeks, Pastor Ryan has preached on several stories from the life of the Apostle Paul. And this week, we begin a more concentrated study of the fascinating life of this man who went from being a Pharisee intent on bringing the Jesus movement to an end to the fearless and relentless preacher of the gospel, whose letters comprise nearly a quarter of the New Testament. A young man named Saul of Tarsus was introduced at the end of Acts 7, presiding over the brutal stoning of Stephen, the first Christian martyr. As persecution continued to break out in Jerusalem, many of Jesus' followers were scattered throughout Palestine and beyond. They did, and this did not deter those who were passionate about the gospel and continued to fearlessly proclaim Christ to anyone who would listen. Excellent work reading my awkwardly worded sentences. I try. All right. Uh, Jordan uh, Jordan has had the task of reading out loud several things that I've written before, and I'm like, <laughs> I just wrote a run-on sentence there, didn't I? Okay. Um, <clears throat> all right. Not, not to be deterred, however. So... Um, Let's go and look at the first uh, part of this. So we begin with Acts 9, the first two verses, which are as follows. But Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, 
went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus so that if he be, if if he found any belonging to the way men or women he might bring them bound to Jerusalem one of the uh, hard parts about drinking seltzer while you're recording a podcast is uh, you don't want to burp directly into the microphone try so. very hard not to yeah i mean write me back if you want me to maybe you guys like that kind of thing <laughs> i don't know but uh <laughs> go on record doubting that <laughs> <laughs> yes um so here yeah um start off with uh with some questions about this one very personal and then one um that starts personal and kind of gets a little bit cerebral so the personal question here is what was your atti- what was your attitude towards the way of Jesus before you became a christian Give an example, if you can, and if you're not a Christian, what are some things that come to mind when you think of Jesus? What about when you think about his followers? So, before you were a Christian, what were your attitude towards Christians? Because um, here we're told a little bit more about, about Saul's. About Saul's attitude. Yeah. Are you asking me directly? I'm always asking you directly. If this microphone is rolling, I am asking you directly. But I can also answer the question as well. Why don't you kick it off? Why don't you answer this first? All right, all right. So, um, yeah, for me, um, most of my life as a non-Christian was as a teenager and stuff. And I, I think uh, it just did. It just looked. Um, it just didn't look fun. You know, it didn't look like a wild ride of a life that I wanted to have. Didn't uh, look like things that I thought were cool were going on at church. Um, I may have shared this with some people before, but I remember in particular, my parents went to a Christian doctor down in uh, Pompton Plains. And I remember sitting there in my, uh, in his waiting room. And I remember hearing um, like focus on the family on the radio and looking at the, the uh, wallpaper and seeing little flowers on the wallpaper. And I was like, this is not what I want my life to be like, to look like. I'm like, I have no interest in and being part of this world. You don't here. want to be a part of focus on the flower wallpaper. It, don't want to, yeah, didn't want to be the focus. It was like, you know, pretty shallow, uh, pretty shallow thought. But but mm. that I think that's kind of like I maybe the insight that my past brings to the conversation is that like an element of it is uh, you know, do is this what I want my life to look like, to be like? You know, is there something tr- attractive that I see that Christians um that Christians have that I want, you know, cause, and there's no guarantee that people are at, are there asking deep questions or anything like that. I certainly wasn't. Um, but yeah, that's how it was for me before, before I knew Jesus. Uh, any mm. thoughts on this one, Jordan? Or? Um, yeah, I, I find this one kind of hard to answer like humbly, you know, like I, I, my experience was, has been, uh, from within, whether or not it was sincere to me growing up to whatever extent it was sincere you know mm. my experience has always been from within because my my parents raised me in a christian home and so yeah. i i would say that if i had an experience of oh that was shallow or oh that was judgmental it was as one judging from inside it mm. you know um, that's a good point and so that that it makes it a little bit harder for me to to, to like to self uh, to not self-identify right like my first thought is like if I'm making judgments about what Christianity looks like, it's, yeah. I feel even more justified in making them because I'm like, well, I see it all the time. This is what it looks like. You mm. know? Um, so I don't know if I would have made a distinction between the way of Jesus and Christian culture. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think having a sincerity of faith that I have today and that mm-hmm. I've had for the past decade or so, it's, I would make that distinction pretty clear, but I don't know if I would have made that. Before yeah. That. So you're saying, um, the, when you say you don't know if you were to draw a distinction between the way of Jesus and Christian culture, mm-hmm. Christian culture being like the focus on the family flowers. The, on the okay, wall, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. I, I think that I would have seen the same, yeah, the same thing and been like, oh, okay, well, um, they are afraid of four letter words, but I was raised yeah, to be afraid yeah. of four letter words as well. Yep, you yeah, know? and so, you kind of like conflate everything. Exactly. You conflate it yeah. as a as a package deal, just yeah. like if you were to think about like. Uh, some religion that you don't adhere to, like you think about, like what is it? What is what is Islam like? Mm-hmm. You know, to us, right? And and you basically probably think of like one thing. You don't think of like this nuance, to, you know. Yeah, and I think uh, more often than not, we just don't think about it, right? Yeah. If it's not your experience, you don't give it much thought. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. 
All right. Um, next question here. Uh, normally, when people have disagreements over religious belief, they just go about their business. Saul, however, seems to be a little bit more fired up about this than average, right? He is breathing murderous threats. Actually, did I even? I might, that might even be a typo. Breathing threats and murder. Mm. You can even say. Um, toward the Christians, I think that that's probably a translational issue there, um, breathing murderous threats towards the Christians and is actually traveling to arrest any whom he can find in Damascus. Like, he's putting effort into it, right? Yeah. He's putting effort to being against Christianity. He doesn't dislike it. He's antagonistic. He's antagonistic. Yeah. He wants to shut it down, and he's, he's ready to take a road trip to do it. Um, why do you think he was so aggressively opposed to the Christian movement, and how might this give you insight into his thinking at this point in life man well are you asking me directly because i'm just going to jump in if you're the one reading jump into that sucker i'll, I'll read the next jump one right so in. you jump in water's um, fine <laughs> just like the so, baptismal pools yesterday <laughs> i heard they were fairly warm yeah. in a good way not like well <laughs> were the, did the kids have a pool party in here before this no um no. so paul's zeal mm-hmm. for stomping out christianity says a lot about his passion for what he thinks God wants him to do in his life, right? Like, he's he's very intent on, on living the way God wants him to, right? And being a part of the solution and not part of the problem. Like, he, mm. like uh, Ryan had said it um, during his sermon, but, like, this is a man who largely, if not, if not 100%, had the majority of the Old Testament memorized. The majority of the Hebrew Scriptures just memorized, committed to memory. Um, and that in his first understanding before his conversion experience, like that is the reason that he was so passionate Mm. because no, I need to be on fire for my God. And these people are saying my God is something that I think it's not. And so he's like, he, he's fighting with that passion and zeal in his mind, almost more so like a crusader, which is a terrible language for today's culture, but you know what we mean? Like yeah. Someone fighting with passion and willing to go any distance for their God. And that's, that's where he's coming from. Mm. Um, and it's interesting that it results in him doing all this persecution and murder and threatening. And it paints him when he's doing, he's actively fighting for his God. It ends up making him look not at all like love, which yeah. is interesting because then his conversion experience i'm sure we'll get to in more questions but like his conversion experience he kind of has this this moment where suddenly his passion as we see as he writes in all these other letters throughout the scriptures right Mm -hmm. his passion makes him look like love Hmm. which is interesting his passion is it it was it's the same passion almost it's just passion for the right thing yeah passion for the wrong thing yeah 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 very much so yeah that's excellent um i would uh, i the only thing i'd add to that is the um you know, the, the context of first century Pharise- Pharisaical Judaism is the, they believe there's, that the nation is still in exile and that the, re- the problem is, is that the people are just not holy enough. And, um, and so we're going to not only make sure that we are really holy and living up to these high purity standards, but that everybody else is as well. Mm-hmm. And like, and now here are these Christians and they're, allowing people into Judaism who meet none of these requirements. Yeah, it right? feels as though these Christians are working directly against what we're working for. Exactly, yeah. And it's harming. It's harming the Jewish people, and it's harming God's purpose in history. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's like that's—there's— um, because one thing about Paul is I don't get the point that he's, like, not sincere— you know that is sincerity like, is there. Like there are some 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 Pharisees where you're like hypocrite is the right label for mm-hmm. them. I don't know if he's a hypocrite. You know, I, nothing I see in him at least. You know what I'm saying? Where well, where it's, it's like you just like you don't want Jesus because you're jealous of his position yeah. or something like that, or that the people are listening to him rather than you. I don't get the the, the sense of that with Paul. Yeah, well, you know, it's interesting. Saul, sorry, pa- spoiler Saul, alert. Saul, <laughs> um, Saul's passion is true. It's mm-hmm. real, and it's it's ze- he's zealous for God. It's just interesting that the recipients of the love that is like the result of Paul's yeah. passion are the Jewish people, and specifically the, the Jewish people he approves of that he views as the Jewish people. Yeah, his understanding of what the Jewish people are. Yep. And so his conversion experience, rather than saying, "Hey, everything you've believed is wrong," says, "Hey, your like target love, like the people whom you're trying to love, it's too small." Mm. your target love is supposed to be a lot larger because God's is a lot larger. 
Yeah. And that's what knocks him off his horse as yeah. he encounters Christ, right? Like, yeah, and a lo- amazing amount of his ministry is is geared then towards bringing the Gentiles in. Exactly. Yeah, expanding yeah. that hope. Yeah. All right, let's continue to read on. We are in Acts uh, 9. Uh, we're going to be in 3, verses 3 through 7 now. So. All right, well, why don't I jump in on this you one? You got it? You got this one? Um, so if anyone's confused and reading along, I, I like to read in the NET. Oh, nice. So. Highly recommended. Best notes out of any Bible. Love it. Great study Bible. All right. So as he was going along, approaching Damascus, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? So he said, Who are you, Lord? And he replied, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But stand up and enter the city, and you will be told what you must do. Now the men who were traveling with him stood there speechless, because they heard the voice but saw no one. All right. Um, And so uh, the question we have here is a little bit more of heart orientation, right? And so this we have here, we see Saul encounter Jesus in a miraculous vision. This was the initial event that sent his life hurling in an entirely different direction. What was it that God used to get your attention to turn your faith in Christ? My nagging mother. Truly. That's what, <laughs> well, sort of. There was a bunch of different stuff, but yeah, that's. <laughs> it was basically just to get her to, to, to shut up that I started going to a young adults group. And uh, Batesel had actually been reeled back into the fold, uh, the flock, as it were, <laughs> about a month before I arrived. And so he's sitting there. So I, I knew him. And, uh, you know, they're both, they're, they're kind of going to work on us. Um, <laughs> and as is the Lord. And um, it was actually through, uh, it's a bit of a story for me, but it's it's through um, being invited to go on a missions trip that I had no earthly business going on. Because mm. it wasn't like you're going down to, uh, you're, we're going to Argentina. It wasn't like we're going down to like build orphanages or anything. It was like, no, we're going down and doing door-to-door evangelism. And I'm I'm high the night before I leave, you know. Man. And <laughs> and I'm and then next thing I know, I'm. Can I share with you about how to have a relationship, personal relationship with Jesus Christ, you know? And um and I'm just like, so it was the weight of that hypocrisy mm. that really that really like you know uh, killed me and slayed me and brought me to the point where I was ready to start taking Jesus seriously. It was uh, so that experience how about you i i think that's a fantastic way to sum that up like the weight (laughs) of the hypocrisy um i i'm I'm sure you guys will hear me talk about this a bunch i have a hard time saying no that was the day i was saved and and i feel like theologically when i read i see i I see stories of salvation happening all over people's lives Mm -hmm. in individual stories in scripture and so i would say that god gets my attention all the time Right. Like uh, he gets my attention every time I'm humbled in a conversation with a friend or with my spouse. And it's like, oh, I actually was in the wrong. And why was it so hard for me to acknowledge Mm. that I was in the wrong? Um, It's because I need Christ still. (laughs) It's because I I am still desperately in need of a savior every day. Um, And that that the the enormous weight of hypocrisy is a cool way to say that. Yeah. Mm. The wordsmith that I am. Yes. <laughs> I would say initi- yeah. initially. That's, that's also, what it feels like, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. You I can't I, forget about it. Initially, also, one of the first ones where that was really big in my life was he used the um, weight of scriptural evidence. If we're huh. going to use that same weight language. Yeah. For, for what do you me, mean scriptural evidence? I, I mean, like, uh, I mean, like, studying how reliable the scriptures themselves are was one of the things that really turned me. I I was a senior in high school. I was a freshman in college and that stuff was really, really heavy on my Mm. heart. Um, I'd I'd been raised into this and is it really trustworthy? There's plenty of other cultures and people who think elsewise. Why do I think this? Why do I, I don't want to think this just because it's what I was born into. Um, I'd better go do some real study and I'd better expose myself to other ideas. And so, um, I, I found one of the biggest things that really gripped my heart and, and held me close to the heart of Christ was uh, just the overwhelming reality that the scriptures are exactly what Christ intends them to be mm. in our lives, um, which is pretty amazing. Yeah. 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 That's 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 awesome. Um, <clears throat> all right. Let's uh, I'll, I'll go ahead and take the next two verses. Right. Acts nine, eight through nine. Uh, Saul rose from the ground and although his eyes were opened, he saw nothing. 
So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And for three days he was without sight and neither ate nor drank. So <laughs> I like how I had to, I like how I have to preface this next question speculating a bit <laughs> what might have been going through Saul's head at this point like it's kind of like holy crow I done screwed up <laughs> right like you're blind like not only do you just have this vision and hear this but now you're blind and there's no one in sight I'd be like am I just blind now for the rest of my life you know it's not like God Jesus is like do this and you'll get your sight back oh true he's just like I guess I'm just blind, blind now. Says, yeah, yeah. Go do this. Yeah. If like not, it, go do this and you'll see again. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. Yeah. It's a good point. And like, and like, or like, is this just punishment? Mm. And is God just pu- punishing me or this Jesus now who is, cause you're, it's not like he's like, you know, what is this? I, I don't know. There's so many open things, yeah, right? Like there is this beautiful image of like, I, you have to know cause it's days. It's at least a few days. Yeah. You have to know that Paul thought at least once throughout this experience, right? Like, Oh shoot. I'm the one who can't see. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and God was like content. And he saw fit to let him see that way. Yeah. <laughs> through the lack of physical sight. He's yep. like, you realize you're the one who can't see. Right. Yeah. And that's highlighted because he has him go to a Jesus follower who can see. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yep, like yep, yep. that's really particular. That's really interesting. Yep, yep. I also I also think that given like we had said before that he's got all this stuff memorized, he's, he lives in the scriptures. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he probably thinks of this very much at this conversion experience, very much as like his uh, like, what is it? Isaiah six the coal mm-hmm. is that what that is the isaiah's coal yeah, yeah like uh the i think that's like a very much his thing it's like oh the coal like cleansed his lips mm. i think i think oh, christ okay. cleansed yeah, my yeah. eyes like i'm 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 not one who can see yeah in christ's economy and yeah. like that's just an awareness that he has like i was brought into the throne room i i, I met the one and i was persecuting the one and i'm still alive here mm-hmm. here i am send me kind of feeling a little bit probably yep yeah yeah um so it's it's just yeah I I feel like the big the question marks just hanging over him right now at this point are just are just um you know amazing um mm-hmm. yeah so and then I I write in the sermon Ryan noted that Saul's blindness while it real and this is kind of something you're alluding to there Jordan mm-hmm. probably serves also to illustrate his spiritual blindness mm-hmm. we see this elsewhere in scripture right like um in First Samuel we see it with Eli mm-hmm. right who's who's um, spiritually blind. So, um, in what ways would Saul's indoctrination as a Pharisee have led him to be blind to the truth about Jesus? Now, this is a head question. Okay. Um, and so, yeah. Um, so obviously I've been thinking about this, this question for a little bit. So, you know, I'll just say the, the idea of a Messiah who would come and, um, not really be as concerned about purity and stuff that as they are it would mm-hmm. have been very shocking and jarring. Of course, the idea of a suffering and risen Messiah, right? Like not, this isn't somebody who like rises up from within the ranks of the Pharisees or the Sadducees or something, right? He's a total outsider from a no name town and he comes and he suffers and he dies. And so there, there's just no real categories for that. Uh, it's it's not what he's expecting at all. Um, and um, yeah, so so it's just a a lot of these things would have would have made him would have thrown up resistance to the truth about Jesus. Um, and then some of the stuff that we were talking about as well, some of the urgency that they felt about having to um, having having to create this this. Uh, ritually clean Jewish community that would be on God's good side. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what he thinks being religious is all about his whole life. And now he's about to learn something different. He's associated, I am accepted by God because of the way that I prove my... my uh, Jewish identity. My almost. identity yeah. in, this, in this group of people. And we're the pure ones. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. What does it mean to be pure? What does it mean to be accepted before God? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so next question here. Now, this is a heart one. What were some of the major causes of spiritual blindness in your life? We've already talked about some. 
for me, the uh, the big three, the sex, drugs, and rock and roll was big. Um, mm. You know, those are, you know, so the music I listened to, uh, the, the, the um, things I was putting in my body to alter my mind, and then, of course, uh, mm. you know, just girls and chasing girls. Um, those are the things that I really cared about. And, um, you know, mm. and currently, you know, I still I still have a lot of spiritual blindness, uh, things like pride, you know, things like um, <clears throat> things like getting frustrated at my kids, you know, mm. it just um, makes it hard to lead them well or, or mm. you know, that. Um, so these are all things that can cause me to not see things the right way. Jealousy can sometimes creep in, mm. you know. Yeah, I would say for me, it's a lot of arrogance. Yeah, arrogance and uh, like self confidence, like why, why is my own eyes yeah. kind of thing, and and that is incredibly convicting because <laughs> it's like, hey, don't be that. Yeah. It's very particular. Yeah, <laughs> something that I I I twisted growing up. I would pray for wisdom, but not so that I could have wisdom. I would pray for wisdom so that <laughs> so I could be so wise. Could be wise. <laughs> that's that's an awesome way to. Wow, that's yeah. that's very convicting. And, uh, yeah, it's incredibly convicting. And and then also just like you said, pride, but pride in a uh, in an image sort of sense. Yeah. Right? And then I I am uh, part of the uh, millennial generation that is uh, soaked in Instagram oh. and all of that, and so it it's the image thing is real yeah it's definitely a real thing it's like who who am i trying to impress yeah with right. how my life looks how my life looks oh, with the actual details of my life yeah you know mm. um there's the surface level i want these photos to look good so that mm. other people who come across me can know oh he's cool or oh i would i would be friends with him or i would mm. accept him and then there is the deeper level of that of like and i, I say this pridefully right like well, even if I'm not posting a lot, right? Like I want the people who look in on my life to think X, Y, and Z. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's, it's again, like you get again, to curate your your exa- image, exactly, right? Yeah. Right. And you can curate like your hobbies, and you can curate the what you do with the time you have, and and all of that stuff is like, who am I curating this for? Yeah. Am I curating this for my own for the altar of pleasure, and <laughs> and, and and am I idolizing comfort, right? Mm. Or or uh, idolizing comfort, or am I? like being intentional to steward my life well for the one who gave it to me you know <laughs> where that's that's what hits me hard right mm-hmm. like my blindness i'm not i never i'm not thinking that way when i'm thinking about who like what this looks like i'm not thinking about how do i give this time over to god um and that definitely uh causes me to bl- be blind to mm. those things you know? yeah 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 um for me it's snapchat no, just kidding. I don't have Snapchat. <laughs> we all know it's TikTok, Doug. That's right, TikTok. I just want to give China all my data. <laughs> I just, I just, I mail it to them. I mail them a print China. Out. If you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> yes. All right. So, <laughs> Ryan also mentioned um, Paul's later recollection of this event in Acts 26, where he gives a fuller version of what Jesus said to him than Luke does here in chapter nine. He focused on one phrase in particular, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. Uh, it's verse 14 of chapter uh, 26. And, uh, of course, the idea, what was the idea there? Uh, so, well, actually, here's the question. What does, this is basically like, were you paying attention at this point in the sermon? Yeah. What does it mean to kick against the goads, and how do you do this? Um so uh, kicking against goads is uh, a goad is something, a little like thing with, that's sharp at the end that you use to get cattle and other animals to go the way you want it to go. And uh, kicking against it is basically like, why are you fighting against that thing? God's using these things to get you to go and run direction and you are heading in the other and you're just hurting yourself from doing that. Running into the sharp end of God's... Uh, vision for your life yeah <laughs> that's <laughs> one way to put it absolutely yeah even though yeah um so and yeah and how how do you do this how do you there's a bunch of stuff like tell us about your sinful failings in this uh in this discussion guide so um how do we you should use some discretion and wisdom in how we guide these conversations together during our groups <laughs> during this week just because there's going to be a lot of that you know yeah it's, it's a beautiful time to be confessing to one another yeah. in those ways, but also yeah. it's week. It's week one. One. Yeah. <laughs> of the beginning of a ministry year yeah. as well. So it's not even necessarily like week one 
um, of the following season. <laughs> you know, there's yeah. going to be lots of people who feel new here, and so let's be intentional as a as a church to host those people well in our groups and make sure that there is a um, a, a comfort to this space that is not just, hey, we get together and just expose all of our deepest, darkest secrets at one another so that we feel better. This like, is like I do on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, no, be, yeah. be intentional to be to be loving to each other this I, week. I think know. I think also the um we say this a lot, but um it bears repeating that you um will you can only expect the level of intimacy in your group that you as a leader are yourself willing to give. Mm-hmm. So you know, um, if I'm if I'm leading this discussion, I kind of want to be the first to jump on these kinds of things right. to set the tone, not only that we are sharing, but also for like the level of stuff that's getting shared here. Yeah. You know, um, I'm not sh- I'm not being ultra specific about like super, you know, about the type of things that maybe only a few people in my life should know about. Mm-hmm. But I'm also not you know, clamming up and just speaking in generalities. Yeah, you guys, that's a hard balance to One walk. Time like, I didn't like God. <laughs> it's a hard, I used to be a sinner. I sinned all the time. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's a really hard balance to walk, right? But you guys, uh, you guys are filled with the Holy Spirit. And so I would just like, uh, take some time to pray beforehand on a group like this when there's a lot of questions that could go very deep here. God, give me the insight to know how deep I should go here, right? I don't want to utilize my group to my own selfish gain, and just like be, let it be a confessional for me. Yeah. Th- there should be people I'm walking with who I can confess those those deeper, darker yeah, things with as job. well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And but it is very true that this should be a space where people feel comfortable to come come to the altar and lay their lay their sins down before the cross. You know, and so we gotta we gotta work in real wisdom and discretion there. There's no easy answer for how to do that well, but all of us have the one who knows how to do it living within us. And so that's that's encouraging to me. Yeah. Right. Yep. Absolutely. I'm going to read this next one. Yeah, read that next right. one. Acts 9, 10 to 16. Here we go. All right. Um, now, there was a disciple in Damascus named An- um, Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias. And he replied, Here I am, Lord. Then the Lord told him, Get up and go to the street called Straight. And at Judas' house, look for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. And he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and place his hands on him so that he may see again. But Ananias replied, Lord, I have heard from many people about this man how much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priests to imprison all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, because this man is my chosen instrument to carry my name before Gentiles and kings and the people of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for my for the sake of my name. Excellent. Thank you so much. Um, our first welcome. question is a, a bit of a headier one. Uh, God could have restored Saul's sight whenever he wanted, and yet he sends Ananias to lay his hands on Saul and does it through him. Why do you think that is? Mm, why indeed? Yeah, I mean, I think I think because he wanted to make it obvious. I mean. You can answer it on a couple different levels, I Mm -hmm. think, at least in the direction I'm taking it. But I think, number one, he wanted to make it obvious that um, this was not happening merely through, like, between him and God, Mm. but that the church that he has come to persecute is um, involved, (laughs) is Mm -hmm. involved, and and these are my people. These are indeed. So Jesus has appeared to him. I'm Jesus whom you're persecuting. And these are my people whom I'm empowering to do this thing. And then I think also because it's a tangible act of love to show like from the Christian community that this man would now whom he's the guy, one of the guys whom he came to arrest. Ananias is a Damascus Christian. Mm -hmm. Had Paul had his way, he'd be leading him back in chains to Jerusalem right Mm -hmm. now, or at least in bonds to Jerusalem. And, um, and here's this man standing over him and giving him his sight back. And think about how relieved that must have been. Mm-hmm. You know, can't see a darn thing. You think you're blind for life now. And and the, you open your eyes and the first thing you see is a Christian. Yeah. So and imagine yeah. imagine in Saul's <clears throat> mind as this is happening, like the humility to like you said, this is one of the people that he should yeah. be persecuting and yep. should be taking back in shackles. Right. Like the humility to say. I saw in this vision that I am in need 
of these followers of Christ. Christ yeah. is going to God, the God that I've been passionately serving, has seen it fit to flip my world upside down that I might be in like the bondage of need to these people mm. rather than to the passions that I, I, I once I sought so strongly for for my God, right? Like mm. God has me going to them and receiving from them, not going to them and taking them. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's that's excellent. Um, yeah, so that's I think I think that's an important aspect of it here. Um, then the next is a heart question. The Lord's answer to Ananias's objection is essentially, "Go, for I've chosen him." Like God is not saying please <laughs> when He commands us to do something. Nope. God is the one who decides whom He will use to accomplish His purposes, and often His choices are surprising. Can you think of someone whom God surprisingly turned into a chosen vessel for the gospel? And uh, I always like to talk about the guy who was uh, my youth pastor growing up, who was like an old man who um, had a successful hair salon business. And in his old age, like, like six, well, I don't want to, I don't want to be, I don't want to say that about anybody. You already but started saying In it. his 60s, in his 60s, so... Um, and in the 60s, if you guys are going to write are, Doug. You know what to write him about. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I'm just a jerk. I can't read. It's can't. okay. Jesus loves right. you, Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Every year, what qualifies as, quote unquote, old gets a little bit further back. So, um, so at any rate, uh, yeah. So Matt is this guy's name, and he, he sold that business or his part in it and, and just went full time like hanging out with teenagers and trying to show them the ways of Jesus. And so um, that was uh, an amazing uh, example for that. And then I also, I think like the other ones that like really stick out in my mind are like people that I've either been used to help or have just seen get help to turn from lives of like, you know, like a lot of drug stuff, you know, which is uh, kind of always amazes me when I see how like real and permanent, um, a lot of that change can sometimes be, mm. um, and and then like that, the, the the zeal that folks who come out of that can often have towards the things of the Lord, um, and towards being His instrument in other people's lives, is uh, very encouraging to me. Um, yeah, yeah, good, yeah. good. A couple good friends from high school for me are, are kind of in that boat. Yeah, yeah, I think that's said really well. Yeah. Well, so this next question. In the uh, in the section of a chosen instrument on this passage uh, is the Lord's final words to Ananias about Saul are shocking. I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name in verse 16. And elsewhere in his writings, especially in Second Corinthians, we learn that Paul views suffering not as a mere unfortunate byproduct of gospel faithfulness, but as central to what it means for him to be an apostle of Christ. Why is suffering such an important part of what God has called us to do? And how does this mindset challenge the way that Christians often view their own suffering? Uh, well, bef- I want, I'm going to leave that for you to answer, but I want to just comment. How yeah. does this mindset challenge the way that Christians often view their own suffering? We're going to be honest, right? Like often Christians view their own suffering as something to pray their way out of. <laughs> yeah, or something else their way out of. <laughs> yes, yeah. But, like, yeah. I start facing something and just go, like, God, will you please re- remove this from me, et cetera, et cetera, and spend all my time praying that God would remove that from me. Or I'm so distracted by it that I'm trying to swim up to the surface without actually spending any time in prayer. You know, and that that's, like, if that's those are common reactions to Christians viewing their own suffering, um, how does this change the mindset how does how does this mindset cha- challenge that way yeah that it's just that suffering is something to be just escaped from mm-hmm. which is it's a hard thing to kind of like it's a hard line to walk i suppose sometimes because certainly like i don't think it's like particularly biblical to say that like i've got this suffering in my life and i just shouldn't do anything about it because i'm more godly if i'm suffering than not if i'm all. not you know what i mean no. um and certainly not that we shouldn't have that attitude towards other people's suffering. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is kind of like an attitude that I suppose is like, well, as long as it is here, like this is not a loss. Yeah. It's not like a loss for me. I think part yeah. of the mindset that challenges this is that God is in control of these things, right? Mm-hmm. Like I think 
um, not yeah. not to that spark. he loves me and he's in control. Yes, yeah. yeah, that's important. It's not not to spark a conversation about sovereignty right here on this podcast at forty something minutes into it. But the the reality that God is sovereign over your experience mm-hmm. and whatever whatever you believe about that and whatever that looks like, God is the king over the nation where this is happening to you. Yeah, right. And so, what does that mind? What does that mindset change? about the way you think about that suffering. Maybe you are willing to step out of it as soon as you have a door, but what do you do inside of it? What kind of peace do you have inside of it, knowing that God's in control of it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I like that. God is the, nation, the king of the nation wherever your suffering is going on. Mm-hmm. Um, a passage in Paul that I think illustrates this view, his view of suffering, and again, not as something that's just like, well, it happens. If you're mm-hmm. following God, it's going to happen. But really, like... No, this is actually like part of my ministry. Mm. Um, you can look a lot of places in Paul, but 1 Corinthians is very helpful. Chapter 4, beginning in verse 8. And keep in mind, he's writing to a church that has a lot of like wealthy people in it. Mm. Okay? And basically talking about like how you guys are happy to take your share of, of pleasures in this world. Um, and kind of just like turning the screws into their conscience, I think. And he says, uh, already you have all you want. Already you've become rich. Without us, you have become kings. Like, what do you need us for? You know, mm-hmm. um, and would that you did reign so that we might share the rule with you. For I think that God has exhibited us apostles as last of all, like men sentenced to death, because we have become a spectacle to the world, to angels and to men. We are fools for Christ's sake, but you are wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are strong. You are held in honor, but we in disrepute. To the present hour, we hunger and thirst. We are poorly dressed and buffeted and homeless, and we labor working with our own hands. When reviled, we bless. When persecuted, we endure. When slandered, we entreat. We have become and are still like the scum of the world, the refuse of all things. It's quite a job description. Yeah, wow. Yeah. It's like um, last week, Ryan made the comment about Paul. He imagines Paul sitting at the table with a bunch of prosperity teachers, uh, <laughs> like sitting there with rocks still falling out of the gashes in his face and yeah. them being like, yeah, but this didn't work out the way I expected it to. We didn't hit our <laughs> monthly number. And Paul's just sitting there like, I, they, I'm going back in, right? Where, is there any of you coming with me? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you um, – uh, I don't know if you've heard him say this, but uh, N.T. Wright sometimes says, uh, there's something wrong. This is my best British accent. Like, <laughs> like something wrong with the fact that everywhere I go, they serve tea. And everywhere Paul went, he got stoned. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, um, there's, there's something true about that very yeah. much. Did you think for a second N.T. Wright was actually in the room when you heard that? Yeah, that was so accurate. Thank you. I so appreciate good. it. There is something about that. <laughs> <laughs> he has a very particular accent, too. It's not it's specifically just British. I came not even close to it. So, all right. Um, yeah, so I think like the, the, you know, the idea is that like you're, you are the, he is the apostle of a crucified Messiah. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and to live like the servant is not a great above his master, like just about like the kinds of things that Mm -hmm. Jesus taught, right? That, that like part of the gospel is the way in which it's the world on its head and trying to marry what is awesome in this world and what's awesome in the kingdom of God Mm. does not work. And so like, there's a sense where like, um, in which like suffering is part of what it means to be a true follower of Jesus because Jesus lives, leaves us, uh, leads us into that. Jesus leads us into a a kind of lifestyle that is not governed by this world and its values. Mm. And, um, and so it, it should look like that. It should look like that because you were in a world that crucified God when it when he came to it. Mm-hmm. And um and and that's the world that we're trying to reach. And so if you're just doing awesome uh, by those standards, something might be wrong. 
And so I think that that's why, you know, it's part of the testimony of who he is now that he is in Christ that matters. Yeah, I think part of what the um, that uh, what Tom Ray is thinking of when that quote you shared, mm-hmm. the uh, if the world hates you, be aware that it hated me first. Mm-hmm. Right. In John 15, if you belonged to the world, the world would love you as its own. However, because you do not belong to the world, but I chose you out of the world for this reason, the world hates you. Um, and then remember what I told you, a slave is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If you, uh, if they obeyed my word, they will obey yours too. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's, yeah. Um, it's, it's definitely, there's something to be said about that. And that's like, talk about a heart, talk about a heart level question. Yeah. Am I following a persecuted and crucified Messiah? Yeah. Like people look at me like what and and had to determine what does Jesus look like? What would their picture be? Yeah, would they look, would you, this one hits me hard. Would you look more like the other people around you Mm. than you would like a crucified and persecuted Messiah? What would Jesus's Instagram look like? (laughs) Like, like, yo, I just, uh, I just helped my, my disciples catch all these fish. They couldn't even pull it in. His bio would be in a relationship with hashtag leg day. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) All right. uh, So, um, read read Acts nine seventeen through nineteen. Okay. Um, So Ananias departed and entered the house, and laying his hands on him, he said, "Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you came has come." And sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes and he regained his sight. Then he rose and was baptized and taking food, he was strengthened. Um, Okay, so Ananias's first word to Saul is to call him brother. What does this say about Ananias's attitude towards this man? And uh, who who made it his mission to arrest Ananias and the other Damascus Christians? This is one of the most humbling passages in all of Scripture to me, <laughs> yeah. because it's like, let me go up to the murderer, mm-hmm. and because God told me to, entreat him as a loved one. Yeah, right. It's not only do I have to get past a close my loved own, one too. Exactly. He's it, not like he's not like second, second cousin. Yeah, it's all, <laughs> me too. And I was going to say twice removed. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, I have to not only, if I'm Ananias in this moment, right, I have to not only get over my own fear for my own safety, but I have to completely, I have to make it as such that 100% of my view toward this man is strictly by God's definition of him, yep. not by my own understanding. Yeah. Oh my goodness, right? How, how humbling is that? Because how often am I failing at that call to the people around me? Am I not viewing someone entirely by God's definition of who they are? Yeah. Right? Yep. I think if all of us did really well at that, I think we would have a much more unified or like united church. Oh, yeah. You know? I think so. Yeah, <laughs> yeah for sure. Um, yeah, it's hard. And yeah, it, and it, it, it definitely, I think the element of fear may, you know, may have been there. You know, he's... 100%. Yeah. Um, this is the guy who is he's created a name for himself as the one who kills people like me. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, so Ryan finished the message by noting three things that happen to anyone who becomes a Christian surrender to Jesus, a call to suffering and reception of salvation and baptism. Uh, at least one of which we've already uh, discussed in here. Mm-hmm. Um, so the first question, both a head and a heart, what does, what does Jesus call us to surrender as we follow him? Well, I mean, first and foremost, he calls us to surrender um, everything that we thought we we knew about our, our understanding of God, right? Yes. He, he says, no, this is what God looks like. No, these are my people. No, mm. this is the way. No, this is my path. So, so our views, our false views about him. Our false his, views about God. Yeah. yeah it's very much That's the first good. one. If I, if I think that... God is entirely aligned with my perspectives on things. One of the first things I have to surrender when I become a Christian is realizing, oh, wait a minute, <laughs> my perspectives are not the ultimate answer. Yeah. Right. I have to surrender to God's perspectives. Yeah. yeah. And as you start that journey, you end up realizing there's a lot of places That's where you have to surrender. That's super helpful in today's day and this mm-hmm. day and age too. Yeah. 
that you surrender your ideas, your pre-baked in ideas as to what God must be like. And yeah. Yeah. And then beyond that too, what does Jesus call us to surrender? It's a very personal question too, because there are individual things, aspects of each of our lives that are unique to each person, which Christ is going to, through, through the power of his spirit, push on us and mm-hmm. say, no, that that's not part of my plan for you, right? Mm. Um, and at the end of the day, the thing we're all called to surrender is our very lives, yep. right? We're called to pick up our cross. We're called to carry the electric chair on our shoulder and say, this is this is a part of my identity. I'm the one who sits in this for your sake. Yeah. You know? Yep. Um, yeah, I, I, I like. I was gonna say, you know, the, the surrendering of identity, surrendering of who I am, that he gets to define me. Mm-hmm. So not only like do I surrender the, uh, you know, what my what I think about God, but I surrender what I think about myself as well. Um, and it's basically I am who he says I am. Mm-hmm. You know, I matter because he says I do. And, um, uh, yeah, and 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 my life is about what he tells me it needs to be about. Yeah, Ryan made a comment last week in last week's sermon that was like, hey, little tough love moment. Like, it doesn't matter what you think of yourself in comparison to what God thinks of you. God, yeah. God thinks that you are worthy to die for. Yeah, I, I love how he calls that a tough love moment, yeah. too. Yeah, that's... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and so now you just turn it inward. What has surrender to Jesus looked for you, looked like? Oh, that should be looked like for you personally. Yeah. What has it looked like for you personally? Um. So for me, like, honestly, like, I think, um, uh, for me, it's, uh, it's looked like, um, opening my home up to a lot more children than I expected would be, Mm -hmm. you know, through like adoption and stuff. That was a big thing for me. Um, you know, that's not something that I like fantasized about doing or anything. It's Mm kind of something that God convicted me of through my wife. So that's like, and that's, you know, just a huge commitment. So that was a big thing for me. Mm. Um, and there's, you know, a lot of other things, you know, what I decided to do with my life, you know, that's just, a, you know, a lot of these decisions made early on in the walk with the Lord that kind of put you on a certain path. Yeah. How about, how about you make this, uh, if this like, t- since this is a personal question, you can kind of answer, ask this in a way that's helpfully personal, right? What has surrendered to Jesus in your familial relationships looked like? Oh, yeah. What has mm-hmm. surrendered to Jesus yeah. in your vocation looked like? What has surrendered to Jesus in your um, in your uh, political leanings looked like? Mm. It's like, h- how do you follow Christ with every aspect of your life, and what have you specifically been called to? You know, it's like I said before, the surrender, um, what does he call us to surrender? Yeah. It's personal for every person. This is one of those things. It's like, in what avenues of your life are mm-hmm. the details yeah so it could Christ be because because it's surrender. because it's everywhere exactly. uh, you know you're surrendering yeah. everywhere yeah yeah so yeah. it's good well, so how has god called you to suffer for the sake of christ it's yeah. again a hard hard question because it is uh very personal and in it's, what areas yeah you know, what are the avenues in which god has called suffering to be a part of your story mm-hmm. um, and for some of us that is some sickness for some of us that is loss for some of us that is um uh, persecution in, in soft ways and some for some of us persecution in really hard ways yeah um, and I, I think too like suffering for the the sake of Christ like um, it's a little bit tough this question is is and questions like it are always a little bit tough because there's all kinds of things there's all kinds of suffering in our lives that take place right and it's and when we think of like suffering for the cause of Christ, it's like what you go into a city and you get stoned or something like the kind of stuff that we've been seeing in Paul's yeah. life. Right. Yeah. Like that's suffering for the cause of Christ. But is is me getting like, you know, uh, some sickness? Is that the same kind of thing? Mm. And there's a sense in which it's not. Totally. But there's also a sense in which like everything done in a Christian's life is done for the sake of Christ. Mm-hmm. And the suffering in this instance is itself a form of ministry for you. Yeah. Can itself be a form of a ministry? Like, how do you relate to your church? How do you help others to grow? How do you mm-hmm. witness them to them? Like, what it is to suffer yeah, well? How do, how do you become um, under a, God's lordship? Yeah. How do how do you find yourself through this experience becoming someone who is a minister to others? Yeah. Going through something similar. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah. So like, I mean, even that stuff can be cha- can can. It's almost like your mindset makes uh, makes the difference there. Yeah, and Ryan Ryan had made a similar comment near the end of his sermon this week too about 
how uh, we, we don't think about it this way, but often the very thing that was that hard space in our lives is the thing God used to bring us to salvation. Absolutely. Is, is the way God is sanctifying us. And yep. so um, uh, what is that thing? How has God called you to suffer in that way? How is he writing that writing that part into your story? Mm. Yeah. 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 Um, and then keep, keep, keeping in line with these main points that Batesel gave us, what does it mean to receive salvation? Oh, just a simple one. They're very you know, simple. Nice, quick one. That's right. Real quick. Land the plane a little what bit. What does it mean to receive salvation? Man, well, it believe it means to believe in your heart that God raised Christ from the dead and to confess with your mouth that you believe he is Lord, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it also means every day submitting your mindset to Christ, taking your thoughts captive to him. Mm. It means every day uh, seeking out opportunity to do the good works God planned in advance for you to do. It means every day learning to walk in the peace that comes from knowing God rather than the peace that comes from resting 20 minutes during a Netflix show. Mm. It, it means being intentional. I to, watch Netflix for a half hour. Mm, sorry. Before yeah. Un- understood. Yeah. Uh, it, <laughs> it, it, it means so much to receive salvation. And at the end of the day, it's so, that's it, one of the most beautiful things about the gospel that it's complex to the point of infinity, right? Yeah. You because always digging deeper, but it's also so simple that a child can can believe and receive and confess because there's that justification by faith right mm-hmm. where we where we are saved on the basis of simply placing our trust in Christ but that mm-hmm. results in a true true spiritual transformation mm-hmm. that that blooms in different ways in different areas of our lives mm-hmm. you know yeah and so like it it is that that whole life journey um, which I think, you know, Jesus some pl- at some pl- places, in, like in the Gospel of John, refers to it as remaining in him, abiding in him, yes, and, yeah, and, exactly. and bearing fruit as a result. It's like you, you were, like you used the word justify, right? Like you were justified when you believed and you received the salvation of God's justification in your life, right? Mm-hmm. But you are also uh, sanctified as you walk with him and yeah. go through these hard trials and uh, move day by day. By the power of his spirit. Which right? is and, also and that's salvation. that's a form of salvation, yeah, right? That, that's that the is, present tense yeah. of salvation, really, yeah. right? And we're going to be saved one day when he returns yeah. and everything is made right and all, all things are made new. You know, we just introduced the song, All Things New, um, mm. and that that is a form of salvation. That is us declaring the hope that we will be saved ultimately, though we're being saved now and we have been saved when we believed. And so all those things are true. Mm. Right. That that really like enters into that conversation yeah. for me. I, that's why I have such a hard time when people say, like, when were you saved? And I'm like, yes, <laughs> <laughs> right now. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, I, I, I am in a state of always being saved. It's not just a thing that God did for me 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, why are salvation? This is the last question. Why are salvation and baptism so closely related in the new, new in the New Testament? And do you think we have lost some of this connection today? So my spiel with baptism is that it seems in the early church to function very much like what we would think of as like a sinner's prayer, Hmm. that this is the initiatory right into Christ. Um, This is the thing. Well, you want to say, when were you saved? Right. Usually what they mean is when did you say, Lord, I've acknowledged that I'm a sinner. Exactly. Right. So and this question might be when for were the you first baptized? Century, yeah, for first century <laughs> Christian, for the Paul, yeah, it would have yeah. been when were you baptized, mm-hmm. which does make for some awkward understanding these days because mm-hmm. we see passages where it's like, what do we do to be saved? And Peter's like, repent and be baptized. And you're like, oh my gosh, my head's going to explode now. <laughs> but like for them, it's like, it's not this like, like he's not. He's not thinking of two different things there, mm-hmm. right? He's thinking of like this is this is a, so it's very close in the New Testament to the point where like one can stand as like a metonymy for the other, mm-hmm. um, metonymy being like like part of something is put for the whole or, or it's one like referring thing to my car as my wheels, my wheels, yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. it's good, yeah. Referring to my salvation as my baptism, yeah, yep, yep. Um, the and um, the New Testament authors are much more comfortable talking in that manner mm-hmm. at times than than we sometimes are so do we think we've lost some of this connection today well i guess i already answered i that think question. we have because we're fearful that people will misunderstand it in yeah the same way yeah like that we'll right. be talking baptismal regeneration like mm-hmm. that baptism itself saves yeah. or that it's somehow unnecessary you know like like that it's mm-hmm. just those two extremes what there's no yeah. you know uh, well, and god god has always used throughout 
throughout the history of his experience with humanity, right? He has always used the image of going through water and yes. coming out new yeah. on the other side, right? This is the story of Israel going through mm-hmm. the waters. This is actually the story of Moses going through the waters, who yep. will be the one who will lead Israel through the waters. And then yeah. this is the story of Joshua bringing the people through the waters into the promised land. And, yeah. and then this is what John is baptizing people into and, and out the other side as a follower of the Messiah, Right, and so Jesus actually goes through the waters himself, and, mm-hmm. and we follow Christ's example, going down into death yeah. and coming up out into new life. Right. As we're new baptized creation. into Moses in the sea, right, and exactly. we're baptized into Christ. Yeah. yeah, and so we are baptized into. We mm-hmm. when we do that, we declare, God has written my story. God has made me someone who has gone down into death and come out into new life, and. I mm. Christ went before me, and so I follow Christ in this. Yeah, follow um, him through the waters of creation. Even creation, like initial creation, is yeah. waters being separated. It's true. The land yeah. comes up out of the waters. It's yep. like the land is good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> it's, it's, it's good to come up out of water. Yeah. Yes, that's yeah. a good thing. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. So speaking of which, praise God for yesterday. You know, that was, that was yeah, incredible. Yeah, you guys, so many people coming up out there. of water. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thankfully, the same number as went into it. Thankfully. Yes, that's yes. always good, too. So, all right. So here's a few things to pray about to close your group up. Uh, praise God for bringing together your community group. Uh, pray for a great season of doing life together, studying God's word, prayer, and helping one another to grow closer to him. And finally, praise the Lord for what he did to draw you to himself and pray that he would use you to do the same to those around you. So... Okay, well, that's it for today. Um, We appreciate you being with us on this exciting first podcast. and uh, Excited for the season ahead. Yeah, very excited for the season ahead. So, um, yeah, so um, remember to say hi to Jordan if you see him at church, too. Very very excited to get to know each of you guys more and more. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And uh, you guys are definitely a blessing in my life. So we appreciate you, and uh, we appreciate everything you do, um, and continue to do it uh, in the name of Jesus. So you guys, until next week, take care.